Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Identity Theft Horror Stories. I'm Jenna, and always with me is my partner in truth, Ashley. Hey, Ashley, what are we talking about today? Hey, Jenna. Today we're going to be talking about the strange case of Victoria Nasarova. Ah, the cheesecake lady. <sighs> Let's not ruin cheesecake, Jenna. I'll do my best, but I think we just may spoil a few appetites with this story. Not to mention eyelash extensions. And where would we be without those, right? Okay, all right. To tell this whole bizarre story, we're going to have to start in Russia, where Victoria is originally from. You see, Victoria was good friends with her next-door neighbor, Ala Alexenko. The two developed such a good friendship that Alla was comfortable enough to ask her new friend for a favor. That's right. Alla's daughter lived in New York City, and Victoria was planning to visit. Alla asked Victoria if she could bring Alla's daughter, Nadia, a few thousand dollars and some gifts. I guess mink coats are a very popular Russian gift, but not necessarily a cheap one. Alla wanted Victoria to bring the coats along with the money to Nadia when she visited New York where Nadia had been living for years. Victoria agreed to help her friend out right away. Of course she did. What a pal. And well, how did that work out for Ala? Not great. Nadia claims that her mother called her several times expressing some concern that Victoria was never actually going to travel to New York. She was worried that Victoria wouldn't give the coats or the money back to Ala. Victoria did agree to give the coats some money back and that that was the last time that Nadia heard from her mother directly. It seems that Victoria didn't exactly appreciate being asked to return the gifts and money because the next time anyone saw Alla, she was riding in the front seat of Victoria's car. Or, correction, her dead body was riding in the front seat of Victoria's car. This is what the Russian police have reported. Though Victoria herself disputes this fact and says that the Russian police are trying to frame her. And if that was where the story ended, maybe we could take her word for that, but it's not. You see, Nadia was obsessed with finding out about what happened to her mother, and she was the one who eventually uncovered the traffic camera footage. She was quoted as saying to 48 Hours that in Russia, money can buy you what you need. And that was how she obtained the footage from the traffic cameras. Nadia paid for that footage and then brought it to the Russian police. By that point, Nadia had already made a nuisance of herself with Russian police, demanding that they look more closely at Victoria. She says they even came up with a nickname for her in Russian, Crazy American Daughter. You see, Nadia had been in Russia for a while, trying to figure out what happened to her mother. That was when she found out that her mother had this strange friendship with Victoria. Yet yeah, they don't seem like two people who would have much in common. I mean, just from looking at them on the surface level, Ala looked very much like, well, a mom. She could have passed for any of my friend's moms, but standing next to this very exotic and very beautiful woman who clearly had an appreciation for the finer things in life. Even Nadia was confused about how the two of them were friends, but they were. When Nadia arrived in Russia, she texted Victoria and even went to go see her. She says when Nadia came out of the apartment building where she and Ala lived, Nadia gave her a big threatening Russian bear hug and demanded to know where her mother was. 
She claims that Victoria swore that Allah was still alive and had gone on a trip with her friend and that her phone probably had died, but Nadia wasn't buying it. So Victoria ran away from Nadia. She sure did. Victoria ran back inside with Nadia chasing her all the way up to her apartment, where she then barricaded herself in. Nadia called the police, but they were not much help. Ultimately, they bought Victoria's story and just left. But weeks later, when Nadia called Russian police with information about the traffic cameras, the detective she spoke with said that they already knew about it and they intended to arrest Victoria. Finally, somebody's doing something about Allah. Yeah, but it got worse from there. They found poor Allah's charred remains not far from the neighborhood where Victoria actually grew up in Armavir. They asked Nadia to see if she could identify her mother from these remains, and Nadia was just absolutely horrified. She couldn't understand why they were showing her her mother's bones. But Nadia was able to eventually make the identification based on what she knew of her mother's teeth. Yes, and it looks like the crime was motivated solely by money. Russian police, as well as Allah's daughter, Nadia, reported that valuables had been stolen from Allah's home along with $50,000, which was Allah's entire life savings. Nadia says that many family heirlooms were missing, but even stranger, a word had been carved into the wall in Russian. It said, money. Nadia believed that Allah was trying to communicate with police to inform them that her death had been motivated by money. Nadia also noted that the apartment looked like it had been wiped clean. There wasn't even, you know, the usual stuff, like grease by the stove that you would find in any home where somebody was actively cooking. Nadia thought it was Victoria again trying to cover her tracks. What was worse was that Victoria had sent a text message from Allah's phone to her daughter Nadia, right? Yes, she sent a text to Nadia posing as Allah. She told Nadia not to worry and that she would reveal her location soon. This seems pretty open and shut, right? They have Allah's body. They have the fishy text message to her daughter, the traffic cameras showing Allah's corpse in the front seat of Victoria's car, the missing money, the weird message scratched into the wall. This should be a really short episode for us, Ashley. Oh, but it's not. Victoria is slippery and she was very beautiful. Yes, she was arrested and brought in and totally flunked the lighter tester test she was given. Allegedly, she basically failed every question. And while we all know lie detector tests are not perfect or even admissible in court here in the United States, Victoria knew that she was in trouble. But luck was on her side once again. She was able to seduce the Russian detective working her case and was able to get to the airport in Moscow and take the first flight to the United States. Where she obviously kept a low profile and didn't get into any trouble at all. <laughs> didn't we just say this isn't going to be a short episode? No, once a snake, always a snake. And Victoria Nasarova is as dangerous as they come. And even though the Russian detective dropped the ball, Interpol had issued a red notice for her arrest for murder. You would think that that would make life complicated for her, but in the U.S., Victoria did get a job as an escort and dominatrix. She claimed she wasn't paid for sex work, but it was obvious by her lifestyle that she was making money somehow. Victoria was all about image. She wanted the nicest clothes, the most expensive vacations and cars. 
it would ultimately be her downfall that Victoria was just incapable of laying low. And her clients, or boyfriends, weren't so lucky. Victoria quickly gained a reputation as someone who would meet men online through dating sites and then drug them. Once they were sedated, she would steal whatever she could from them. One man by the name of Ruben Borakoff actually went on the record in a 48 Hours episode about Victoria called Red Notice for Murder. They showed footage of him directly after his encounter with Victoria. He could barely speak. He was practically in a coma. And once he started to come around, he couldn't even feed himself without a shaky hand for days. He was in the hospital for over a week. Oh, that's one powerful roofie. Tell me about it. Victoria offered to cook for Ruben, and he said he ate only a couple of pieces of fish before he blacked out. Ruben was out of it for days, while Victoria stole $1,000 in cash and charged over $2,000 on a shopping spree with his American Express card. She also brought him to his workplace, told his employees that he had probably been drinking too much, and cleaned out the cash register. Wow. Victoria's got guts. I'll give her that. Want to hear the funny part? When he finally recovered, they asked him how he felt about Victoria. And he said that he loved her. He admired her. He said she was a true professional who deserved an Academy Award. Well, he did pay her to humiliate him if she was his dominatrix, right? Mission accomplished? I guess so. I wonder if Ruben would have even reported it if Victoria hadn't been bold enough to drop him off with his co-workers. It's been said that men who are ripped off by their escorts are probably not so willing to go to the police and report that. Not only will it cause a few raised brows with the police, but uh, their wives might not be so happy about the circumstances of the robbery either. I can definitely see why that might be a deterrent. It's hard to think that Victoria has other victims out there that are just too afraid to come forward. And not everyone was as forgiving as Ruben. One of her boyfriends claims that she poisoned and killed his dog two days before his birthday. Apparently that dog was getting just a little bit too much attention and Victoria was unhappy about it. No, not the dog, never the dog. I know, she's just honestly a horrible human being. No argument here. Because of Victoria's illegal status in the United States and because she liked to live an extravagant lifestyle, she was forced to keep rich boyfriends, steal from her clients, and shoplift things like expensive furs. Yes, and she was getting in trouble with the law, but each of these arrests only served to embolden her. Not a single encounter with law enforcement flagged her as an international fugitive. Victoria knew that she could keep getting away with it, but there was only one thing standing in her way. Can you guess what that is? A tarnished identity. Don't be a victim. Double check everything. Go to www.idstrong.com slash identity theft horror and start monitoring your information for free today. Yes, Victoria knew that if she wanted to keep up her life in the United States, that she would need a new identity, and she carefully chose her victim. 
She had been using a variety of identities and aliases, but she knew that she needed something a bit more permanent if she really wanted to get away with everything. In 2016, Victoria found an esthetician by the name of Olga Svik. Olga was beautiful and had brown hair and brown eyes, just like Victoria. And she was from the Ukraine, so she spoke Russian, just like Victoria. This time, she didn't befriend her intended target. Instead, she traipsed all the way from Brooklyn to Queens for six months so that Olga could work on her eyelash extensions, which I guess is a real thing to have done that's kind of popular. I don't know, Ashley. I can barely hold a mascara wand. (laughs) Yes, it is a real thing. Just like my eyebrows are microbladed. But anyway, Olga did think it was weird when Victoria could have gone to a salon much closer to where she lived. But she figured they both spoke Russian and Victoria was more comfortable with her. Olga made it very clear that they were never friends. Which is why Victoria had to beg for help with a quote, eyelash disaster from her favorite beautician. She even brought along a cheesecake to say thank you. Ah, back to the cheesecake. Yep. Victoria had poisoned the cheesecake with a large dose of phenazepam, which is a popular Russian tranquilizer. Olga reported that the cheesecake tasted normal, but she got sick almost right away and vomited. She also reported losing her vision in an interview with ABC News. And because Olga threw up the cake, Victoria was worried that she hadn't adequately poisoned her. So the very next day, she showed up with some poison soup for Olga. And the soup is what ultimately put Olga in a three-day coma. She was lucky to have survived it all. Olga's landlord found her two days later passed out in her bed, dressed in lingerie, and with pills scattered around her to make it look as if she had killed herself. Thankfully, Olga received immediate medical attention and recovered in the hospital. But doctors say that she was just a mere 40 minutes away from death. Olga reported that she saw Victoria going through her things while she was drugged, and her last memory was of Victoria sitting on the bed beside her. While Olga was passed out, Victoria had stolen Olga's passport, employment authorization card, along with some jewelry and some cash. Ugh, this has to be where Victoria goes to jail. Well, Victoria had been incarcerated previously for all of the stealing she did from those men she had met on dating websites, but this time would prove a bit more difficult. Authorities couldn't locate her, and this went on for months and months. It almost seemed like Victoria was going to get away with it. That's right. For six months, the authorities tried to track her down with no success. Like I said, Victoria was slippery. She might have gotten away with the whole thing, in fact, if it weren't for Allah's daughter, Nadia. You see, she was living in New York at the time, but she kept going back to Russia, determined to unveil the truth of what happened to Allah and bring Victoria to justice. Nadia Ford was dogged. The Russian police have said that Nadia would make an excellent detective if she ever wanted to change her line of work. They would hire her right away. That was how dedicated she was to bringing Victoria to justice. She had her life here in the United States, living in New York City, but she just kept going back to Russia to turn over every rock in the hunt for her mother's killer. It was like she was unable to rest in a world where Victoria could get away with murdering Allah. Nadia ended up working with Herman Weisberg, a former New York Police Department detective who is now working as a private investigator at Sage Intelligence Group. Herman was very, very good at what he did, and frankly, he managed to find what the police couldn't. He found Victoria. 
And what a crazy story, right? Victoria was her own undoing here. She just could not figure out how to keep a low profile. She was still living the good life with her rich boyfriends and her stolen goods, and best of all, posting all about it on Facebook. Sure, she was using a different name, but the pics were all her. And the name she used wasn't even that clever either. The first name was literally V-I, as in Victoria, and the last name was N-A, as in Nazirova. She wasn't even trying to hide. And why should she? Victoria always managed to get away with it. It was ridiculous how much she was posting on this Vina Facebook profile. She was constantly posting pictures of her, living her life in Brooklyn, and even her trip to Mexico on a stolen passport. She also posted a lot of check-ins and likes around Sheep's Head Bay, a Russian neighborhood in Brooklyn. But it was a single selfie that would end up changing this entire story. I can't believe this. Do you believe this, Jenna? Herman was able to track down Victoria by using the reflection in her Ray-Ban sunglasses in this one selfie. You see, the stitching of the car she was sitting in was reflected in the shot, and Herman noticed how unique it was. The stitching was white on black leather. Herman was also able to see the dashboard in the shot, so at that point, all they had to do was track down the car. Herman did this by literally scouring parking lots and looking inside thousands of different cars until he spotted a Chrysler 300 with that same stitching and dashboard. Now, it was just a matter of tracking down the owner of that specific vehicle. Damn, no wonder Herman quit the NYPD. He's better at this than they are. And that's pretty remarkable detective work. Herman was quoted as saying this wasn't even a needle in a haystack since he had to find the actual haystack before he could look for the needle in it. He was scouring the area of Sheepshead Bay, that Russian Brooklyn neighborhood. You know, he was even able to confirm the street by that one single shot because two manhole covers and a pole were also reflected in her sunglasses. Then he ran all the plates from Chrysler 300s in that neighborhood until one came back with a Russian-sounding name. Oh, Victoria, if only you had stayed off social media. It sounds like she was addicted to the lifestyle, though, and part of it was showing off. That's hard to do when you're a wanted fugitive, but she couldn't help herself. It was almost compulsive. And you know what the craziest part is? She was living in New York City, only a few blocks away from Nadia Ford. It is a very small world, Ashley. Another thing that Herman mentioned was that a lot of people on the run from the law will change their clothing, but shoes were what made it possible for Herman's team to put surveillance on Victoria. He said she had a favorite pair of boots she often wore, and that was part of how he managed to identify her. Victoria Nasirova was indicted on 10 counts, including attempted murder, burglary, and assault. She was in court just recently, despite being arrested back in 2017. If she's convicted, she faces up to 25 years in prison. She's a long way from shopping. Jail has not been kind to Victoria. Forget about expensive furs and eyelash extensions. Victoria had almost been blinded during a fight where she claims the other inmates ganged up and beat her. She claims that a nearby corrections officer did nothing to help her. Let me just pull out the world's tiniest violin for poor Victoria. It is hard to feel bad for her. 
But she is suing the city for $5 million for the alleged attack, according to the New York Post. I guess a tiger can't change its stripes. It seems she continues to be a high-maintenance problem, even while she's incarcerated. She went on a brief hunger strike in protest of the allegedly bad treatment she was receiving at Rikers. Apparently, her fellow inmates like her just about as much as the corrections officers do. According to them, she has reported mistreatment excessively. And when asked about that, she said, quote, But I will give them problems. They are making my life unbearable, and I will do all I can to make this jail's life unbearable. Sounds like Victoria to me. You didn't think she was just going to go quietly off into the night, did you? She's been denying pretty much everything she's accused of. And get this, she even claims that Olga poisoned herself. She said that she must have poisoned the cheesecake from under her pillow. I know that's where I always keep my spare poison. (laughs) Victoria still claims to be innocent in Allah's murder, too. She says that Russian police basically photoshopped that traffic camera picture to make it appear like Allah's body was in the passenger seat. And what about poor Allah? I know that Victoria will pay for her crimes in the United States, but none were as bad as what she did in Russia. She murdered that poor woman who trusted her. There is no extradition treaty between the United States and Russia, but Russian officials have made it clear that they would like to see Victoria stand trial for murder in her home country. Whether that will ever happen or not is anyone's guess. It's unlikely that Nadia is happy with the final outcome as Victoria has yet to confess to her mother's murder or share important details that Nadia feels she needs in order to find closure. As for Olga, she was quoted as saying, I'm not God and I'm not a judge, but she deserves to be in jail. Thank God she can't hurt anyone else. I think we can all agree with that sentiment. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to Identity Theft Horror Stories. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook at Identity Theft Horror Stories. Thanks again.